if I can't work out what I'm doing, sorry. But it's really nice to be here in my home church and everything's so different. Isn't it lovely? This extension has been happening for a very long time. So it's really good to be here and, and to see you advancing. And uh, it's really a privilege to be here and to be invited to share with you. And I want to say thank you so much for your support. Here we go, put it back on so I can see a few more people. <laughs> uh, for your support over many long years. Do you know it was the 28th of November this year that I celebrated 35 years in the Philippines? Wow! What an amazing journey. You know, it's exciting when you're walking and talking with Jesus. It's exciting when you come to know the Lord. You never know what he's going to do, where he's going to lead you, direct you, guide you. But I tell you, it's never boring. So if you're bored with life, then straighten yourself up and say, Lord, what's wrong? Because it's not boring when you know the Lord. And so um, Pastor James has said, did you have a video? So we've got a five-minute little video to, to just update you. It's been three years, um, lockdown years we call them. So um, since I've been uh, able to come to Australia, so here's a summary of life over the past three years. Thank you. There is music. Can we start again? The music is nice. Now, this was put on, this was made by um, Richard, who was one of our first children from the streets um, in 2002. And he is now our social worker. And yesterday, I got um, on our messenger, I heard that Archie, who was also one of our boys from back then, he has passed his board exam to be a teacher. So he's also on our staff now. We have a half a dozen early young people who came from the streets who are now on our staff. So it's all very exciting. Okay, I've got music.
there you go. Three years in five minutes. <laughs> so I hope that gives you an overview. We do rescue children from the streets and other perilous situations. We referred children from uh, Department of Social Welfare and uh, the work continues. It's part of our work. It's our primary work uh, to see these young people who have been uh, so disadvantaged and abused uh, have an opportunity to come to know Jesus and to have a new life. To be honest, the only way to succeed in life is to know Jesus. You know, we can take kids from wherever, but if they don't encounter Jesus for themselves, there's no real change. We have discovered that over, uh, we're coming up to 21 years of uh, looking after children in these alternative family cares this February. So it's been a journey. Every one of us are on a journey and every one of us influence others and we just do our best to try to uh, lead others to know Jesus as somebody led us to know Jesus. And so we make ourselves available and when we make ourselves available to the Lord, you never know what's going to happen. Now I have to put in a I have to put in something there. I have to, I don't know if it will come on and come off. But anyway, we've got something here. And it says here, it's good to be with you at this Christmas season. Ah, this is my prompt. And you know, some people say, oh, you know, we shouldn't really be celebrating Christmas. And you know, it's not the day that um, Jesus was born, etc. But like, you know, Pastor um, said, we really need to celebrate. It's great to have a time. We celebrate regular people's birthdays. So how much more, even if we know it's not the date. But the thing is, it's an opportunity to share that Jesus was born into this world and that there is a Savior alive today. It's our message. And you know, um, Pastor James said, Margaret, would you like to speak? I said, well, of course, because it's my home church, but I feel pressured. I'm supposed to be on holidays. And I've been busy packing these two Bullock Bayam boxes in a very quick time. But as your subject is Jesus, I said, well, surely, Margaret, you can talk about Jesus. Or there's something very, very wrong. And so I know timing is everything. And it's good to be here with you at this time. Galatians 4.4 says, At the right time, God sent his son, born of a woman. And yes, we know it was the Virgin Mary, according to Matthew and according to Luke. And we are forever thankful. There is a time to be born and a time to die. So there must be a time in our lives when God challenges us regarding our life and how we will answer to him on that final day of accounting. There will be an accounting day, people. Some people don't want to think there's an accounting day ahead, but there is an accounting day when Jesus comes for the second time. So for those in this room who know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm very conscious. You know the word says there's the wheat and the tares that grow together? Well, I hope you're a wheat and not a tear. <laughs> but if you have not known Jesus, I hope that something will prompt in your heart by the Holy Spirit and you will come to know him. And as I share today, I am sure most in this room will say, yes, amen. 
We all come to Jesus in a different way, and yet the circumstances are different, but the way it happens is really the same. The Holy Spirit convicts us of our need. We see ourselves as wretched, undone, and we also see who Jesus is as the Holy Spirit points us to Jesus, our Savior. And so as you've begun the topic of Jesus, then I thought, well, the easiest way to do this is to talk about what or who Jesus is to me. And I know Jesus is to you as well. So first of all, Jesus is my Savior and friend. You know, the opponents of Jesus ridiculed him, saying, you're a friend of sinners. But aren't you so glad that he is a friend of sinners? Because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And greater love has no man than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. And so we're forever thankful that Jesus came into this world and he identified with man and he showed us that he was our answer. And I'm really, really thankful, forever thankful, that someone told me about Jesus. Are you thankful someone told you about Jesus? There's many people today who don't know Jesus. But let me tell you my story for those who don't know. I grew up here in Gladstone. And when I finished grade 10, yes, it was grade 10 then, I, I finished and I said, what will I do? I'll, I'll do a little secretarial course. So off I went to Brisbane and I moved into Archibald House. What a good name. It was a Presbyterian girls' hostel. And as soon as I arrived, a girl named Shirley Thorne greeted me, helped me, and she said, Margaret, are you a Christian? Well, what a question. Nobody had ever asked me that before. And I said, of course I'm a Christian. What do you think about me? <laughs> you know, everybody's a Christian. Well, that's what I thought way back then. That was a lot of years ago, 50 years ago. And so, you know, but she got my attention. She said, no, not everybody is a Christian. A Christian is someone who follows Jesus. And then she proceeded to tell me all about Jesus, how he came into this world to die on a cross and carry our sin and that he was coming again. She actually talked about from heaven to hell and all in between, from Genesis to Revelation. My goodness, I got the Bible in, in just a very short time. But, you know, in, after everything was discussed, I said, ah, I don't know that I really believe in him. I mean, I've never seen him. I, I can't see him doing all these things that we hear about in the Bible. And so I said, I don't, I don't think I really truly believe if you ask me. And so something started in my heart. I went away and I said, well, God, if you are real, I really want to know. I don't want to miss out. Who would want to miss out on eternal life? Who would want to miss it and go to hell? said, if you're real and if what she's saying is true, I want to know. And, you know, it wasn't very long. And um, she invited me to church, of course. 
So I went. It wasn't really like a church I was used to, with all these people jumping up and down and clapping and carrying on. But they were happy. And I thought, well, this is nice. They're all friendly and they're happy. So I went back the next week. And the next week, something different happened. Because, yes, they were all worshipping and somebody preached. And I don't remember what was said. But I do remember the holy presence of the Lord coming into that room. And God is holy. He is holy. And as his presence filled that room, I was terrified. I was really terrified. Because for the first time in my life... I felt really wicked. I felt bad. I felt terrible. And I knew that I could not stand in the presence of a holy God. God gave me a glimpse, maybe just a very small glimpse of things to come when he comes in and we stand before him. I'm so glad (laughs) that he came in his holiness. And as fearful as I was, I wanted to escape, but there was nowhere to go. I sat on my seat and I cried. And Shirley came and said, Margaret, would you like to get right with God? What a question. Would you like to get right with God? I was not right with God. My heart was exposed and I saw myself as a wretched person in need of someone to help me. And at the same time, I was pointed to Jesus as my saviour. And so I said, yes. And we went into a little room together, knelt down together, and who knows what I prayed, but I'm sure it was something like, forgive me and come into my life. I don't know what transpired all those years ago, but I remember being on my knees and praying, and I remember the fear went And the love of God poured over my soul, over my whole being like waves in the ocean. You know, our emotions are amazing. God gives us these emotions, the emotion of fear that brought me to realize that I needed to get right. And the emotion of love overflowing me that I knew that I was now right with God, accepted by God, accepted as one of his children, all because of what Jesus did for me. So it's very, very exciting. And when I got up off my knees, I knew I was changed. Do you know you cannot encounter the Lord Jesus Christ for yourself and stay the same? It is an impossibility. And if you are the same after you pray a little prayer, there is something wrong because you cannot meet Jesus and be the same. Your life will change. And I'm so glad that my life changed in that moment. Of course, there were a lot of things that needed to fall off. And I hope they're still falling off until we meet him on that final day. But when I got up off my knees and I knew I was changed, I knew I would live for him forever. You know, we don't just know Jesus as Savior. If you know him as Savior, you must know him as the Lord of your life. It's a whole package deal. You know, 
We are bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus. We actually belong to him. We are born into his family, but it's a partnership. But really, we've given our lives to him. He's our Lord and he's our master. And as the psalmist says in Psalm 40 verse 8, the experience of anybody who has come to know the Lord of a truth will be, I delight to do thy will, O God. If it's not your experience, I have a big question mark. Do you really know Jesus or what kind of Jesus do you know? Is it a man-made Jesus that you make up in your mind of who he is? Or is it according to what the word of God says? We have an exchange life. He gives us his life. We give our life to him. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so I know there are times when we miss the mark. The things I want to do, I don't do, says Romans 7.15. And the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. Yes, it's a journey and we're still being perfected. And the, the, the work will continue until Jesus comes. But we grow and we overcome. And step by step, he leads us. Even as the servant of Abraham said, I being in the way, the Lord led me. As long as you are in the way, on the way, on the narrow path, following Jesus, knowing him as your Lord, then you will know that he will lead you and he will guide you from the moment you give your life to him. You know, when I came to know the Lord, it was in Brisbane. I desperately wanted to stay at that church. It was also very exciting and I wanted to be there. There were miracles taking place all the time. And I didn't know anybody here in Gladstone who loved the Lord like this. And so I wanted, I accepted a job there. And you know, because at that time it was easy to get a job, they come around the school, and I was employed, you know, by the state government. And then God convicted me, I did the wrong thing. They offered me a job in Gladstone, I said, no, no, I don't want to, I want to be in Brisbane. And so I called them again the next day and said, if the job is still available in Gladstone, I'll take it. They said, no, it's not, but... Uh, there's one at the SGIO, which was like less than five minutes from my house. And I came back here. And you know, God continues to lead you from the beginning that you give your life to him and you own him as your Lord. He will guide you and he will lead you. He led me all these years through so many amazing ways. Who would have ever dreamt that I would end up in the Philippines and in these 35 years, it's been a wonderful journey. And every stage, God directs you in a different way. We, our ears need to be attuned to say, Lord, what are you saying? And yes, I will follow you. And so it was 
21 years plus of before when God got my attention with the street children because I said, Lord, I think I've done everything you want me to do here. It's time to go home, but I won't leave unless you tell me because I know beyond all doubt that you called me there. And so it wasn't long and I had an encounter with street children and I got so angry. I said, mm, what's going on with these kids? Can't even walk down the street to get my mail. And I went to the police station and I said, what is happening? And I was a bit upset. And finally they said, well, there's not much we can do. The SWAT team goes around every now and then and picks up who they can and puts them in the lockup. Well, this is really not the kind of intervention we would hope for small children, but God got my attention. And I was so upset with myself as a missionary, being upset at the police station. Uh, but I was more upset with what was going on. And I got back to my little car and I said, Lord, why isn't somebody doing something? You know, we all come to that. We say, somebody should be doing something about this. But we never think that God might be asking you to do something. Because he is, after all, our Lord. And we, after all, as his people, we say, yes, Lord. Every one of us want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, enter the joy of your master. Every one of us want to hear those words. Not one of us want to hear, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say. We cannot be obedient we cannot be disobedient and call God Lord, call Jesus Lord. He's our Lord if we do what he tells us to do. And he tells us so much. The greatest commandment is to love one another. And we're all working on that, loving one another. It's not always easy, but by God's grace, we submit ourselves to him and we follow him because he is our Lord. It's an exciting journey. There's small things he tells us to do. There's bigger things. Generally, he starts with the smaller things and he leads on to bigger things. Most recently, you would have seen uh, us with um, giving out these face towels. You know, God spoke a word to my heart and God does speak to us. He speaks through his word. He speaks through the spirit. And he speaks through that. Mm, you know you've heard from God. And nothing can shake you from the understanding you have heard from God. And uh, one day I was considering, wow, there's a lot of students pouring into our small town. You know, 3,000 new freshmen, students coming to college. I said, how can this be? And God spoke a word, cast your bread upon the water and it will come back after many days. I said, ah, oh, Lord, this word is so strong. What is it about? And as I was considering the college students, I thought, well, what do we do to reach them? And I thought of something practical, a little face cloth. Just a little face cloth. And we would give them something they would use day by day 
with the words Jesus on it. Trust Jesus or Jesus cares. And so we've written a little note and it says, Dear student, wow, you have made it to college. There will be many voices going through your mind from the classroom, from new and old friends, but there is one voice that has the power to change your life. It's the voice of God speaking through his word and through his spirit pointing you to Jesus, the only one who has the power to make a difference in your life and bring meaning to life, praying you come to know Jesus for yourself and not just know about him. God bless you, Mum Margaret and Center for Change family. And this church, you've partnered with us in these 3,000 face cloths that have been given to these students. You say it's a little thing, but you know, they will treasure it. And a face cloth is ideal because when they're in their military fatigues, they can put it in their pocket and they carry with them all the time the words Jesus. You know, we heard that two have already uh, committed suicide before we gave these out. And there's so many pressures on young people today. We want to have Jesus before their eyes so they know they can trust him and there is someone who cares. God wants to use us for his glory in small ways and in big ways, but we just have to be obedient. In Luke chapter 10, we read how Jesus sent out the 70 disciples to prepare the way for his coming. And in a special way, God sends us out not necessarily to the Philippines or anywhere else except your neighbor or around the street. He sends us to prepare the way for Jesus coming into the lives of those who are ready to receive him. He told the 70 in Luke 10 verse 2, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. In verse 9, heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. And then in verse 17, the 70 returned to Jesus and they're so full of joy because they said, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And of course, Jesus said, well, you know, don't rejoice over that, but rejoice that your name is in heaven. But overall... Beside that, in verse 21, we read, in that hour, when the 70 came and they're talking and they're sharing, in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit. And the word rejoice means jump for joy. You know, these 70 who were obedient to the word of the Lord and said, yes, Lord, we'll go ahead of you. We'll prepare the way. When they came again and Jesus saw their obedience, simple people, they weren't, they weren't, you know, great intellectuals, they were ordinary people. And when he saw their obedience and their joy in serving him, he jumped for joy. Do you know when we obey him, we bring him joy. It's not only about us feeling fulfilled, it's about us bringing the Lord joy and we bring him joy when we are willing to be obedient. 
to him. And so, yes, who is Jesus to me? He's my saviour, friend. He's my Lord. He's my healer. Do you know that Jesus still heals today? In uh, December 2019, I really was sick. I'd love to walk in wholeness without any sickness, but it seems sickness comes from time to time. I was so sick. I went to the doctor and had some tests. She said, you have TB, so you need to start a treatment. So when I went out of the room, you know those words that you hear, whose report do you believe? That's what came. But I said, you know, our kids come in with TB all the time. They get, <laughs> they get medicine, they're fine. So I started the course of medicine, and the more I took it, six sort of tablets, big tablets you have to swallow every morning, I got sicker and sicker and sicker. The staff were all worried about me. I was worried about me. I felt really bad, and I stopped those tablets. I said, this is ridiculous. I'm, I'm poisoning myself. I think I'm getting so sick. And, you know, I just laid on my bed, and I listened to T.L. Osborne. T.L. Osborne was an evangelist, long gone now, but his words are on an audio uh, tape, on an audio video. You just got it on YouTube. And it was Receive Miracle Healing. It was about four hours. And I just listened and listened to the word until something happened in my life where the word ignited with my spirit and I knew it was true. You know, we know that Jesus carried our sins. We know he carried our sickness. We know the word of God says by his stripes we were healed. We know it's in the past tense. And we say, well, Lord, why? Why am I sick? Where's the healing? But it takes a revelation. Just like it takes a revelation to know Jesus as your Savior, as your Lord. You have the revelation Something happens. He's not a historical figure anymore. He's real. And you call upon him and you are saved because he already carried your sin on the cross. The revelation came. It's the same with sickness. It takes a revelation. I don't know why sometimes we don't have that revelation. Where we are, I don't know. But I do know Jesus is the same yesterday, today. And forever. And so as I was listening to the word preached, I got it. The revelation came. And I said, I am healed. It's the word of God. Whose report do you believe? And I got down on my knees in the middle of the night. Got down on my knees beside my bed. And I said, Lord, when I was 16... I had a revelation of you as my Savior, and I received you as my Lord, as my Savior. Tonight, I receive you as my healer. I'm healed. And I got up the next morning, and I kept on going, and I was just fine. And do you know what happened that night? It's probably not what you really should share in church, but you know, I'd had a leaky bladder for so many years. When we... When we had that terrible typhoon, you know what was on my mind? 
how can I find panty liners? Because I was so embarrassed. You know that night? Gone. Never, ever again. Never. God is our healer. He's our healer. How good he is. There's so much he is. He's my provider. When you go, um, when you step out following the Lord, you will never lack anything. You'll never lack. I have been amazed to see how God provides. You know, our eyes are not on men. Our eyes are on God. And whatever you do, when you are following him, you will never lack any good thing. Never. It's been my testimony since the beginning, since when I accepted Jesus as my Savior and I gave my tithes, which meant I didn't have the money for the bus when I was a student. And here comes the bus and it just stops and say, you're going to the college, jump in. Huh. God provides when you're obedient to him. And it's been the story of my life, Keith and Nancy Honging, when... Um, they were selling their land. They said, Lord, help us to sell this. We'll help Pastor Margaret. Well, I was going to study to prepare to go to, to the Philippines. They took me to coffee, gave me the biggest check I ever saw in my life. And it paid my way to the U.S. And I was supported over there. I didn't have to work through college. God provides. When that terrible typhoon came, actually, do you know, we started this ministry without any help, without any support except the Lord. And we have never, ever been hungry. We've never, ever not had enough to do more than we needed to do. God is incredible. People would just give us money and say, who are these people? I never heard of them. Sometimes for years we didn't know who somebody was. And, and that we still have one group, the Living Bread Foundation, $2,000 a month. They said, who are you? We don't know you. They said, oh, never mind. We know who you are. <laughs> huh. You know, God provides. You will never go short. The blessings of the Lord. If you are following him as Lord, you can't expect his provision if you don't have that relationship. But if you know him as your Lord... He will provide. There's so much I could say, as you could say, those who really know Jesus. But one thing I want to say is that what I hold on to and pray continually and look forward to is Jesus as my coming king. We pray, thy kingdom come. And even now I count Jesus as my king, but I'm looking for the day when according to his word, he will come again and receive us to himself. And he will come and he will show this world how to rule in righteousness. How incredible that day. We know he's going to rule as king for a thousand years. Wow. As perfect as that thousand years could be with a lot of imperfect people still on the planet. God has prepared so much more for those who love him, who do not simply comply outwardly for a time. Do you know there's a lot of compliance, even in the church, coming to church because it's the done thing. We see it with our kids. 
complying. Even if they don't know Jesus, they'll go there, lift their hands, sing hallelujah. And then you discharge them. No change. Compliance. God has prepared more for those who love him, who do not simply comply outwardly for a time, but have never truly known him as Lord and Savior and live for him. For we read, you know, at the end of that 1,000 year term, Satan is loosed and how quickly he gathers people to seemingly fight against the Lord. But of course, it's to no avail. But the time will come when he will roll up this present world. Yes, he will, like a scroll, and he will make all things new. He will make all things new. Revelation 21, it bears reading. Have I got five minutes? I can hear music playing. This is a really fancy church. <laughs> Revelation 21, 1 to 8, New Living Testament. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. And the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever and the one sitting on the throne said look I am making everything new and then he said to me write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true and he also said it is finished I'm the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end to all who are thirsty I will give freely from the springs of the water of life all who are victorious will inherit all these blessings and I will be their God and they will be my children. But cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshippers and all liars, their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Peter in the second epistle, chapter 3 he says, scoffers will come saying, ah, where's the promise of his coming? We've heard about this for so long. Everything's going on as it was. Well, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but he is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so we say, come quickly, Lord as we realize that we don't fit in this world where good is called evil and evil is called good. But we are reminded God's timing is perfect and he is still giving space of time for more to come to know him as Lord and Savior. Yes, it's the time when we quote Isaiah 9, 6 and 7, for unto us a, a child is born, a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulder. We long to see him ruling in righteousness, even as the prophet Isaiah said. And the angel proclaimed to Mary, 
Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Revelation 1.7 says, look, he's coming with the clouds and every eye shall behold him. What a day it will be. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall be with the Lord. It really doesn't matter if we see him personally coming, if we're dead, we know our spirit goes to be with him. Jesus said, receive my spirit. His body went in the, in the tomb. Paul said, to be absent from this body is present with the Lord. But our salvation is never complete until he comes again. And this physical body is changed to be like Jesus. You know? It's not just that we'll be spirit beings fly, flying around. We're going to have real bodies. God created man from the dust of the ground, a physical body, and breathed life into him. He will give us a new body, and our spirit renewed will be joined together, and we will be forever with him. Yes, Jesus is my, my Savior and friend. He's my Lord. He's my healer. He's my provider. He's my King. And He's coming to rule and reign in righteousness. Timing is everything. Be sure you are in time. Many missed His first coming. Do not miss His second coming. Do not be sitting here unprepared when Jesus comes. I don't know where you stand. I'm so conscious of that parable of the wheat and the tares growing together. People look good on the outside, but sometimes there's no real life. There's no vital relationship with the living Lord Jesus. I challenge you today. You're starting to study about who Jesus is. Don't just know head knowledge. Be sure that you know him personally and that you have a continual relationship with him, faithful to the end. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. We thank you for your incredible love for every one of us that you sent Jesus your precious son into this world to be our savior. And Lord, those who are here who have had that revelation and have come to know you, Lord, those who are shaky in their relationship with you, stabilize them and Lord, cause them to be obedient. Give them a willing heart to be obedient to all that you say because you are our Lord. Lord, you are so faithful and you are so true and we want to be faithful and we want to be true to you and we want to be prepared for when you come. We don't want to be ashamed. We want to see you face to face. 
We want to glory in your presence. We want to hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord Jesus, thank you that you're giving space of time for more to come into your kingdom and even for your people to be perfected. Those who are, have grown cold, we pray that you will ignite afresh the fire within. Mighty God, we declare we are your people. Even coming here to gather together Sunday by Sunday, we're making a statement to the world that we belong to you. And Lord, we're encouraging one another. But Lord, we don't want it to be just external. We want to have a true and a living relationship with you. Granted, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You have 10 minutes for the offering and the, the announcement. I only come every now and then. <laughs> Would you like to stay here? Oh, I yeah. <laughs> Let's stand together as the uh, music team comes. I'd just like to take this opportunity to pray for Margaret. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we do just thank you for the simplicity of your gospel, Lord God. And I thank you, Father God, that uh, some years ago, uh, somebody shared that gospel with Margaret. And as she said, she would never have believed the incredible journey that you have taken her on. I thank you, Father, for her obedience to your call. And uh, I thank you, Lord, that uh, she, she continues to be obedient to your guiding and leading for the Centre for Change and those things. We just thank you, Father, for your continued blessing upon her, Lord God. Continue to give Grant a good health, Lord. And Father... We just exalt your name this morning. And Father, I know there's many more things for her to do for you. As she looks to you, she listens to you in her spirit. And we give you praise and honour in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. <laughs> Yeah. 
Amen. It is a wonderful name, isn't it? Uh, many years ago, about 1983, I had a friend say, I just want you to meet a friend of mine. His name is Jesus. That's how simple the gospel is. Don't complicate it. Thank you, Margaret, for sharing your journey. And I was, uh, I was wrapped, 34 children have found their families. Isn't that exciting? That's part of your, your thing, isn't it? So that families have been reunited. Only God can do that, amen. Hey, uh, if you've got time, please hang around and uh, have a chat to each other. And uh, thank you for being here. Uh, Sandy and I are about to go away for a couple of weeks. So have a great Christmas and we'll see you in the new year. God bless.